Welcome to the Post Ride Cafe with your hosts, Sam and Aaron. The podcast all about cycling. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Post Ride Cafe. I'm Sam. This is Aaron. Welcome to episode 31, dude. What's up? Dude, I am just tired. Not not just from uh, riding my bike. I'm just... I feel like I just woke up from a nap and just getting up early to try to beat the heat every day. It's yeah, it wears on you. I know the feeling. Yeah, I'm pretty tired too. Same sort of thing. Been waking up early. I woke up a lot earlier yesterday for a ride, and then today I was kind of yard work day, so took a little nap myself. So I'm right there with you today. Well, uh, let's talk about what's on today's episode. We got a lot of racing to recap. So we have a couple small races: Milano, Torino. Uh, Tour Lane, we got Mont Ventoux Challenge, we also have a couple big races like Milan, San Remo, and uh, a World Tour Stage Race, Tour Poland. Some big ones for sure. Yeah, pretty, like we said before, it's a packed calendar and we're reaping the rewards. Yeah, after that, like, huge, you know, time off, I'm just like, it's nice. Exactly. But first, how can people get a hold of us? Yeah, they can get to us on Instagram at Post Ride Cafe and on Twitter at Post Ride Cafe. Some new videos up today, so check them out. Yeah, I saw that. Cool. Well, let's get right into our Strava Stats of the Week. Stats, man. Yeah, well, it did 80 miles again this week and 3,300 feet. So, still not satisfied with it, but I think with how I am right now and the heat, it's like, I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did 180 miles and 6,500 feet of climbing. It's hard to get that climbing feet over yeah. here. I think you like trip into 10,000 in uh, Boulder, but here you got to work for it. Yeah, a little different. Yeah, well, let's get right into our ride of the week. I think we have the same ride. Uh, we went and did South Mountain on Saturday, but kind of rode with a bunch of people, basically. So we ended up meeting with this guy, Dave, at his place, and we rode down and met with the rest of the West Valley crew uh, on the... the beginning of the time trial yeah no it was a fun ride like we were good pace on the way down i felt like though it was probably the hottest day of the week because i rode this morning and it was not the same temperature at all yeah this morning was really nice yeah i mean yesterday was a little bit warm it felt for sure yeah but yeah it was nice we we met up with everybody there and we we had a group go up and yeah it was just just fun i you know, I kind of pushed it as hard as I could given the heat, so it was kind of a, a bummer. I was, I was ahead of my PR and then kind of just dropped off. Like once I reached that that kind of last mile, I was just like, it's too it's too hot to mm. to push it as hard as I'd like to. You know, you just feel like the extra heat in your head, and I felt like the whole rest of the day I was hot. So yeah, it was, yeah, it was just a little tougher than. Than I would have liked it to have been. Well, I can say that my ride felt a little <laughs> bit similar, uh, minus the fact that I was ahead of my PR. I was nowhere close to my PR, but I was definitely feeling the heat uh, on the way back. I, I would say the ride, I was, you know, to be fair, I was a little nervous. I had been a, a three or four weeks since I'd done a really big, hard ride. I've uh, been doing a lot more like zone two, kind of just getting some mileage in my legs. So was a little bit nervous about to that day because I wasn't sure how many people we were going to be going with, and I was like, I'm probably not going to be doing a lot of pulling, but ended up going pretty well. Um, but the ride back, I just exploded. 
Like I totally blew up. I don't know if it's, I think I just went into the red once and then after that it was too hot and I just couldn't cool off. Yeah. I mean, you gotta, I mean, you, you found out the, the new trick of just throwing ice down your Jersey, down the front, down the back, you know, dumping water. I was like, I'll do it all. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I usually don't do that kind of thing. I'm usually like, why would you waste water? I need to drink it because I'm always drinking my wine. I went through like four or five bottles on uh, Saturday, but yeah, I mean, the climb was good. I didn't, I stayed within myself. I kind of pegged my heart rate around high 160s and I can maintain that for a good amount. So it was my best time of this year, which is not too bad. I'm still not where I need to be. I'm still like four or five minutes off my PR. So I need to get back to that. Still my goal by the end of the year is to break that. And I think I can kind of storm that into into form once the weather cools off. But yeah. No, I think, honestly, it was just really fun to ride with a bunch of people. I really underestimated the factor of enjoyability, I guess. Like, when I was first riding, you know, I was always by myself. And then I kind of, we became friends and we started riding together. And that was another step up. And then, like, riding with a bunch of people, it's just, I don't know, it's hard to, like, you should just go do it. Yeah, well, we were talking about that that exact thing, and I was thinking thinking that as you were talking. It's just this extra motivation, and for me, I was saying it turns it in into sometimes definitely by myself, but even when I'm riding with you or you know one other person, there's those parts where it feels like work, and you're just like, ah, I kind of want to just be done with this at, at points, or maybe you know things are you know, a little wind and things aren't going well and you're just like, ah, I'm not feeling this. But when, no matter the circumstances, I feel like when you're in a group of people, it just, it becomes more fun and that whole work aspect, maybe because you're riding a little harder and you're not thinking about it or everybody's kind of pushing and motivating each other, but it just becomes a whole different thing and it's it's just a lot of fun and I I think everybody gets better and and has a good time. Yeah. No, I definitely can uh, agree with that. Like, my, my advice is just if you're sitting on the fence and you're nervous about joining a group or meeting up with your local bike shop and going on one of their group rides because you don't know if you're an A or a B or a C or whatever that means, like, you know, I would suggest just go and try it out. Like, most people are going to be pretty nice. Like, you know, they'll be a little quiet to you the first week or two and they'll wait to see if you come back three or four times and they kind of open up depending on the group. Um, you know, that's... I've, I've experienced that, you know, with West Valley crew, I've, I, they were immediately nice from the beginning. So yeah. you're going to see them all across the board, but in general, the worst I think you should expect is two or three rides in a row. They're going to start being more open and polite, you know, if they're not friendly right away. Yeah, for sure. But uh, one shout out, I got to meet a listener on Saturday, <laughs> this guy, Jared, real cool dude. And he had said that he promised to get me to the A group and he would be my personal domestique. To make it happen, so I say because you you know the the other guy that, that you're sitting here with won't pull for shit for you. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> exactly. Well, you know that meme where it's like, so and so was my best friend. Like now this guy is my new best friend. Like that's how I feel. You know? <laughs> <laughs> whatever, man. <laughs> no, but that was really cool. And it's kind of weird when you start a show or or whatever. Like, I, I I don't know who's gonna be listening to what we're talking about or whatever. And so like actually meeting somebody in person, it was kind of like a. Surreal experience, but it's kind of cool. So let's get into some quick cycling news before we delve into our recaps. Uh, We have a couple um, little bits of signings and stuff going on. Yeah, this one was pretty cool because it's kind of tying into what we had been talking about. So AG2R signed Stan DeWolf 
uh, and that's going to be tough. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce that. I'm just going to say G's. G's Van Hawk. Uh, I think he was on CCC. Um, two classics guys. So I think it's further and further pushing them to, to changing their team into a classics team. They're dropping a lot of their GC guys. They're supporting, you know, Nason and Dillier and possibly Van Ammermart because he said that he was going to be leaving this year. It's yeah. pretty much, it's confirmed that he's leaving. He hasn't said where he's going, but it's all kind of like falling highly, in line. Yeah, highly speculative that he's going to be going to AG2R. Yeah. For sure. Uh, another one I saw was Sean Quinn. I saw it today, but he is a 20-year-old U.S. rider. He's going to be joining Effective immediately. Quick step to Kunick as a stag air, and I think he's starting already on Wednesday, but really just a... Another U.S. rider making it up into the World Tour, and we're seeing this group of riders. There was a little bit of lull about it in the last decade, you know, TJ and a couple people, and then now you have a new crop of riders who can, seem to be growing up. So just another cool thing to see. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Uh, and the last one here, uh, I don't know if it's 100% confirmed, but pretty much uh, Daryl Impey's going to Israel Startup Nation to support Froome kind of as a... I think they threw out super domestic road captain, but basically like yeah. in the sense that he's going to be just helping him out in any type of terrain or wherever he can. So I think that's, that's another good move for them. Yeah. I can't take credit. I saw it on the Reddit Peloton, but someone said we should change the name of Israel startup nation to Israel wind down nation, <laughs> turning into the new Trek where they just sign a whole bunch of like 36 year olds. Yeah. I was like, MP is pretty old, but I mean, I guess, you know, road captain. Road so captain is like, you want someone with some experience in that role. And so he's not going to be the guy that's last in the mountains. I mean, he's possible, but he's the guy that's making sure everything's in order. So yeah, definitely a good signing in that regard, but I definitely expect to see, you know, ports rumored not to be going uh, to Israel startup nation and going to Ineos. And so that's a big, blow for for them for trying mm -hmm. to find support for Froome next season but MP's a good solid all solid piece so yeah so start up some race coverage here yeah. uh so the first one that I watched was Milano Torino uh it basically a, a kind of a sprint one day classic type type race not a classic classic or a, you know or a monument as some sure. would say yeah but uh kind of wound up Sagan goes a little bit early I think he's trying to show where he's at, uh, finishes fourth, and DeMar has a clean sprint. and uh, Didn't know he had wins. it in him. Yeah, it was pretty nice. Uh, just before that, though, there was kind of a touch of wheels, looks like, or almost touch of wheels, looks like Sagan kind of uh, kind of made that happen. But, I, I, you know. I, I mean, can... your notes here seems to be caused by Sagan, and now you're already <laughs> backpedaling, and you're like, maybe he did it, I don't know, could have been. But... Yeah. But so it ends up being uh, Ewan finishes second and uh, Wout is third. And just, you know, the takeaways from that, I, I think a big one is there's still nerves out there in the sprint yeah. stages. You know, people aren't 100%. Uh, but all the sprinters seem to be, you know, on hitting form and, and Wout is looking great too, you know, yeah. for what's coming up here. What is coming up? Milan San Remo. Oh, yeah, that was this week. Yeah, so uh, let's just recap who we picked. I picked Matthew Vanderpool. And I picked Alphalete. Yeah, one of us did better than the other. Uh, what did you think about the new uh, route? Uh, I mean, it was fine. I don't think there was, to me, you didn't miss that much because 
you're still getting the Poggio and the Chapressa, and you're still getting some of the coast, which, I mean, which is nice, and, and it's, I think it was the last maybe 40k or so was the same. Yeah. It's a long race, so it's, you are watching the same thing for a while, so I, I don't think you, I didn't feel like I lost anything. Sure. Yeah, I guess I didn't know enough about the entirety of the race, because it's always the Suppressa and the Poggio is the decider of this race, and it was the same here. But I was thinking it would be a little bit tougher, a little longer, and I thought a little more selective. And so I was probably the biggest group of riders I've seen near the finish. Well, that was surprising, but I don't think, I don't know if that's necessarily due to the, the difference yeah, of the Yeah, it very route. well couldn't. I'm just saying that's what I was kind of expecting. And so yeah. I think what it really boils down to is there hasn't been that much racing, so people are just really fresh. And so I think... Everyone was just wanting to be up there. And so there was just, I mean, this thing is like 20 or 30 riders. Like, it was a lot. But there was a selection on the post. Yeah, I was like, yeah, there was there was a couple riders that were, that were uh, not yeah. in the main group. Of course. Well, we had, what was it? Philippe attacked on the Poggio and looked like he was just going to win the race. Yeah. I mean, we saw him do that the other year. And yeah. And looked exact, you know, like a repeat pretty much. I thought they switched to 2019 coverage. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he looked phenomenal. And then... Right behind him, you know, with a good gap, it was like five or eight, ten seconds or something, was Wout Van Aert. And I was actually surprised at uh, what happened next was Wout just crushed the descent of the Poggio. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you don't see Philippe losing time to someone on a descent. Yeah. That's kind of a lot of the, the races that he's been winning, you know, stage, you know, individual stages anyways. He goes on the attack, like on a on a climb, and just descends better than anyone else. He he did it earlier this year. Yeah, uh, I think it was the Vuelta San Juan or one of the remember. South American ones earlier in the year. But that's what you were expecting. Yeah, I don't know what the deal was. I don't know if he had just nerves that day or not enough faith in his gear. You know, he did have another puncture, uh, you know, in San Remo earlier in the stage, and so coupled with all of his punctures last week in the Strata Bianchi. Maybe he was just nervous about something. I don't know, but... Maybe Wout was just yeah. also a great descender and bike handler because he Definitely. looked like he was taking some of the lines better than... Philippe was taking more risk, it looked like, because he was going real wide and crazy on some of them, but Wout looked smoother and, and looked to be taking better lines in general. Yeah, and I think Philippe, to his credit, recognized that, and he slowed down a little bit and let Van Aert catch him, and he's like, all right, I could... Let's just go to a sprint and see how it goes. Yeah, well, because they knew there was a group back, and the group was not very far back. Yeah. I think that at most, for the majority of it, when the group really came together, it was about 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a pretty intense finale, just because of all the people behind and everything going on. I thought they were going to catch them. Yeah, so me too. Like It was like, all right, this is going to be really tough. Like They kind of started playing that game where they kind of slowed down a little bit. Yeah. No one wanted to take the front, and I was like, man... They're going to get caught. Like, it was just, there was a couple guys on the Peloton that were just hammering it, trying to catch them. But in the end, you know, there wasn't enough work going on in the in the back Peloton to really hammer it home, and they were able to scrape away a, uh, a two-up sprint, and uh, Van Aert got him right at the line. I mean, it was a really close, yeah. really close sprint. He just looks smooth. Like, it's just it's the difference in some of these guys, and we'll, we'll talk about, or... One that I had noticed later in another race, teammate of his, but just smooth in a sprint, and it's it's kind of crazy of just that 
and I think it's partially due to a little bit extra time time trialing background that that he has, or just his prowess in that. Um, yeah. But yeah, he just pulled away, and it was pretty impressive. And the sprint back, back you know, Michael Matthews is like, yeah. hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the 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 second group sprint. So yeah, you know, kudos to him. We obviously give him a lot of crap. Apparently, he did hit his hand and his side on the wall of the Poggio on the descent yeah, and had a bunch crazy. of scraped up arm and stuff. And so he said he couldn't even hold his handlebars, but he managed to get the win in the third place sprint. I was like, at least he could still out sprint Sagan, but you know. I think anyone can. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I almost thought about that today. I was like, I kind of feel bad. I got to start. I got to stop ragging on Sagan. It's, it it's, hurts, man. It hurts. It's pretty tough. It's I'm such sure a, he listens as well, and he's. That's probably what's making him do so bad. So I got, yeah. I'm going to start cheering Sagan on, dude. The guy's he's the best rider that. I've ever seen. It's phenomenal. <laughs> Screw you. He makes a Venipole look like a grandpa. <laughs> no, uh, I I don't know. It's it's it's. I think for me, I got to just be more mature. You know, that's too easy. It's too easy at pickings. I, I got to be better than that. I mean, we've already gone over this. You just have no one to pick on anymore because all of your riders have retired. I know. Yeah, we'll see. All right, uh, that was an excellent race. So uh, takeaways on Milan San Remo, Al Philippe obviously looked good last week, and that even though he had bad luck, it just confirmed his his is uh, where he was at. Like he had good, form. which is why I picked him. Yeah, uh, Vanderpool ended up getting thirteenth. So maybe a foolish pick. I just had a hunch, and uh, he wanted to get. He's like, all right, you know, him and Van Aert are really competitive, and so I was like, all right, he's gonna try to you know win, yeah. but. You know, obviously, hands down, Van Aert is just on flying form, and if he cont- continues this all the way to October, he'll easily win Paris Bay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your other pick. Yeah. Well, let's get into uh, some other races that are a little more GC focused. Yeah, we had the Mont Ventoux Challenge. I really like this race. It it's is. Cool. It was the second year they've done it, and basically, it's just a one-day classic, but for mountain climbers. It's just like, uh, you know, some climbs earlier in the stage. It's not very long. It's like. 80 or 100 kilometers or something, and then it just ends with a climb up the Mont Ventoux. So I think that's what they need, though, is some of those, because, I mean, I feel like most people love an uphill finish and a, yeah. and a nice climb, but it's there's no one day for, for anybody like that. Yeah. So I, I think it'd be really cool to see a little bit more of these. Um, but, yeah, so this, this year, I, I didn't get to watch all of it. I, I forgot what I was doing, but I only got to see a little bit of this race. So maybe I'll hand it off to you. You seem to watch more of it than I did. Yeah, I watched you know a, a little bit at the end. Um, so the big things kind of that happened is uh, Guillermo Martin and Pierre Latour kind of just went off, and it seemed to me like they were just kind of needlessly attacking each other. I was like, some something that I would do. I was just like, <laughs> I gotta win, and Latour is just going insane hard, just. Trying to drop him and going back and forth. He looked pretty bad there at the end. Yeah, and it definitely cost them some energy. I mean, they finished well, but they could have, I don't know if they could have won given, you know, what happened afterwards, but they could have finished higher. Um, the big move, though, is uh, I think his name's Alexander Vlasov, uh, Russian champion, just makes a move uh, from the group. I think Port was in there, Nairo was in there. And he just, again, same kind of smooth time trial, powers yeah. away. He looked really good. Uh, and then Port, Port again, you know, attempted to make a move to pull him back. Just wasn't able to do it. But, yeah, Vlasov just took it off and, and won. Yeah, he looked really strong. Just like, 
when you see somebody who's on a climb as hard and as vaunted as the Vontu, like just pedaled like smooth. Like it was just no no rocking, no back movement, like just a smooth cadence the whole way to the top. Yeah. So, so you just knew he was gonna win. Yeah. But yeah, so kind of takeaways of this. I'm not super, super familiar with Vlasov. I did see uh, last week, though, uh, he was racing and got third in GC behind Bernal and Sivakov, who are also in some great-looking form. So he's he's up there, and he's... I don't know what he's particularly targeting this year. I'm um, assuming doc, uh, domestiquing for somebody. But, I mean, he's, he's at least going to come into his own very yeah. soon, it looks like. Uh, well, they pull. need they need somebody after uh, their Superman. No, no, the uh, just Russian climbers, right? Oh. If he can time trial pretty well, he'll be the next. Uh, what's his name? The guy on uh, CCC. Oh, uh, I almost said Dennis Menchov. That is not close. Uh, I can't remember his name. The guy that crashed. Yeah, I'm I'm blanking too. Anyway, we'll come we'll come back to it. Yeah, I'll I'll remember it right in the middle of something else. But, but anyway, yeah. yeah, I would say last of this is you know Port's looking looking good. He's able to attack. You know he's not quite there. Uh, Nairo's you know looking okay. He is not 100 percent back uh, after his accident, but he's he's still up there in these groups. So well, yeah, uh, for good. me, I think I have to disagree. Port, he just looks like crap. I don't know. Like he's looking like he's getting better. But he does not strike the fear and have the form that he did three or four years ago. No. So I don't think he's – I feel like we both include he's not going to win anything. Yeah. But I, he's – I don't know what his – I guess he's, you know, targeting some GC. But I guess at least he's able to attack. And the only thing is attacks seem to be falling short very quickly. Yeah, I guess for me it's like what's the point? Like if you're not going to win something, like – I don't know. I, I just at this point I feel like Malama and, and Froome. Like he's like I, I don't think see him as a GC rider anymore, right? Like it's pretty brutal. But <laughs> I was I like, who are you to say anything? Yeah. Book? like <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, but like for Port, I just I really want when he joined Trek, I was super happy and I was super stoked. I really thought he had a chance. But now I've just lost. Uh, maybe I'm just jaded from being a Trek fan too long. But I'm over it. Like, I don't have you, it. Well, <laughs> I don't have uh, when you have a, a losing pedigree like Trek does. Like you just don't. Um, I just don't expect anything from him anymore. I just he just pisses me off. Like he looks like he's trying, but it just it's never enough. Yeah. He just can't do it. So I'm over him. Uh, Nairo though, you know he had that crash a couple weeks back and he was on bed rest, and so I wasn't expecting anything from him. And so yeah, he's looking pretty good, and he's only I only expect him to get better over the next couple weeks. So um, I'm excited for that. So. Yeah, I was gonna say the next race we're gonna talk about a guy who never has enough. And I'll continue to shit on Mark Cavendish as much as possible <laughs> because they won't stop talking about him. Yeah, I hate it. Man. I would let it go if they didn't stop talking about him. Yeah. But this tour of Pol Poland here. It, well, tour of talking about Cavendish is really what it is. But yeah, tour of Poland, um, well, it was um, a pretty crazy race to say the least. Yeah. Starting with stage one, uh, obviously going into this stage, they were, throughout the whole stage, they were just talking about Cavendish and everything and Where's he at? You know, he's going to line up. He's the protected rider on uh, Bahrain McLaren. Yeah, I'm just... I, I, I totally agree with you. Like, after listening to the last stage today, like, it's just so irritating. Yeah, well, I'll talk about that at the very end. But, yeah. yeah, so, I mean, stage one, I think we all know that was really bad crash. Yeah. Um, definitely, I mean, good 
DQ on there. Uh, you know, I don't know what else is going to happen from that, but it looks like Jakobsen's fairly okay at this point, so that's good. Yeah, no, definitely an awful crash. The barricades, and you know, if you don't, if you haven't seen it or you don't know much about it, there's plenty of it online. Uh, the takeaway is is Jakobsen is doing better. He was in you know medically induced coma, but he's going to have a pretty long road to recovery. A lot of facial damage and trachea damage, so. Not something you would expect, like you're thinking legs or ribs or, or something like that. And so he had a pretty bad crash, and so our, everyone's obviously hoping he recovers and has a, a strong recovery. But, yeah, pretty rough. Pretty yeah. rough go of it. And, um, you know, Grunewagen, obviously, I'm sure he feels like shit. And, you know, he's disqualified and currently suspended until, you know, the UCI and everyone else kind of reviews and, and comes up with some sort of punishment or whatever. But, yeah, pretty... Pretty rough start to this. You know, this is that stage in the Tour of Poland that ends in a slight descent. Yeah. So the speeds are insanely high. We're talking like 80 kilometers an hour. Yeah, and they've talked about, like, why is that even a thing? Yeah. Like, there's lots of things that I think as UCI organizations, they should be changing on there. And other people who are more suited have commented on that. So. Yep, exactly. Plenty to go on that. Let's get into stage two. You know, so last week when we talked about this, you know, looking at all the stages, we talked a lot about sprinters because it seemed to be more of a sprint heavy. There was like one mountain stage and stage two, uh, maybe it was stage three, actually. Um, yeah, stage three was the one I was thinking of. But stage two is another, you know, sort of straightforward sprint. And, you know, with Grunewagen disqualified and Ackerman out, it seems like, oh, it should be easy for Ackerman. I even called Ackerman to win most of these stages, to be honest. And yeah. Uh, well, it was actually a pretty surprising sprint finish. <laughs> yeah. I was, you know, I talk a lot about how Trek's a losing team, but it was a pretty cool-ass stage for Trek, man. I, I got to give him credit. Yeah, it was real interesting. Just, I mean, that Mads Pedersen just, he just held on really long. He goes out early and holds it. I think, I think part of it, you know, was Ackerman never really seemed to be in position. I don't know, a little bit's just, after the day before, kind of nerves and the willingness to take risks, but he just really never gets gets in a good position till far too late, and and Pedersen, yeah, holds on and takes the win. Yeah, well, I will say, actually, I've noticed in this race, and just recently this year, and I don't know if it's, you know, Malma winning Lombardia last year and Mads Peterson winning the World Championships, but, like, they feel like a more confident bunch. And in particular, this year I've seen... With Peterson especially, they do. They've been doing more work on the front and more leading out. That is true. Sometimes I'm like, I, I don't know who they're working for, sure. but but they are doing more, and I I think they're they have a little bit of a fire lit. So that's yeah. that's good for them. And this stage in particular, you know, Jasper Stoyven let out Mads P Pedersen. Like Stoyven almost could have won the race himself. Like he had a strong lead out and Pedersen didn't have much left to do, you know? Yeah. And so that shows you the, the, the benefits of a quality lead out and impressed, you know, honestly, when, when Pedersen won the world championships, it was like, it's almost like, man, that really sucks. Cause like everyone's going to be watching you next year and you're young and you don't have like a, any races to your name. And so yeah. you're going to have this pressure. And so I was kind of excited to see him win this and kind of get that monkey off his back. So, you know, a lot of people talk about, the curse of the champions jersey and so to see him winning a race it, i think it's really good for them and and for him personally so it was, it was really cool for sure stage three was a slight uphill finish mm -hmm. and um kind of interesting mirrored this with another race where 
it was not the winner you were thinking it was going to be. No. Yeah, it was kind of odd. So, you know, Ineos is up front pulling, and, and you imagine they're there to hit the 3K so that their GC riders are all right. And they're still up there, and you're like, why? What? Who are they riding for? Yeah. And so they're up there, and Carapaz goes off a little bit early on that uphill sprint and just holds it. it it's always funny, too, seeing, like, a sprint like that, and he's so small, and you see, like, this kind of little dot and, like, these bigger, like, people chasing, yeah. and he just, you know, like, they're obviously gaining, but he goes real early and, and holds it on. It was pretty cool. Yeah, no, he had a pretty good gap. He, you know, is able to look back and see that he was going to win. So. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this uh, when we were watching these races, but it's really interesting. We've had such little racing going into the Tour de France, and so every race this this week... Pretty much, whether it was the Tour of Poland or I don't even whatever other like races, like Ineos has been at the front with five k to go, like pulling and doing all the work leading up to the the sprinters taking over. And I, what it is, in my opinion, is just they're practicing. Right? Yeah, Ineos is a, they're a business, and so they're like, all right, we need to work on our teamwork and work on our last few k, getting our guys safely to the line. And every race this week, they were at the front the entire time, up until 3 k to go or, or a little bit more. Yeah, I think it's kind of like a, uh advanced mode tune-up because yeah. they haven't had the whole year. And then other teams are doing this as well, but it's it's they're like, we, we have a condensed time frame to get this right. But I, I, it's more noticeable than it's been any other time of the year. I mean, they're like five riders deep all at the front. Like, it's just, you usually see them near the front, but not that that much. But. Yeah. Anyway, really interesting. Good for Carapaz. Good seems like his, uh, you know, build up tour the Giro is coming along quite nice. But seemed <laughs> stage four, <laughs> not to get ahead of ourselves. But there was a crash. Carapaz was involved. Pretty pretty bit up. You know, you see a lot of hot spots, a lot of road rash and stuff. Yeah. And so he was in the lead from that stage and kind of was like, well, he's not broken, so that's good. Yeah, he did finish the stage does pull out the next stage but oh did he yeah I didn't he, he didn't start today oh, okay well. i didn't even notice it didn't matter anyway but yeah stage four is really all about one person i don't know we've talked about him a lot it seems like i mean not just us <laughs> it was that's like, true and it's not on purpose it's just that's what it is he's the story of the year right now uh remco eventipol yeah so i you know started up and i was like oh you know i'll watch you know most of them I'm not going to watch the whole stage. And then I go back and I was like, the crash already happened back at like 60K. And Eventipol had already attacked around 50K. Yeah. And it's just, I'm going to solo the whole thing. And, like, and it was a mountain <laughs> stage. Yeah. Which and is then, one thing that people are like, wait till we get to the mountains or something. It's always like, he always wins on either a short mountain climb at the end or a medium. Yeah. Nothing like true mountainous. And this was kind of in the same boat it wasn't truly mountainous but it was pretty lumpy and it had a couple climbs in it yeah it's just kind of crazy it's it's one of those things and it's kind of how it was for Philippe last year they're like well wait till we get to this finish because he's not going to be able to handle it and then he's still going and it's yeah. like well wait till we get to the high and it's like still there and wait till the time trial or whatever. Yeah. yeah and then it's it's kind of the same thing with Venipole and yeah. it, I mean he's just looked awesome and yeah, and the same thing. Like I, these guys, we've talked about it. I think a lot, and it's just these guys with the the time trial background are just. It seems the way all of that's how GC is going these days. Yeah, 
Um, there's no more pure climbers doing well. And the same thing for him. So it's it's going to be interesting to see him in the Giro for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely adds to the hype train if it wasn't bad enough. Add a few more cars to that train. Yeah. And the last one today, uh, another sprint stage. This one, I, was, I thought Ackerman for sure had this one Dude, wrapped yeah, up. Dude, yeah, this was <laughs> another interesting finish. Like, yeah, besides them not stopping shutting up about Cavendish, like, it was oh. a pretty straightforward um, sprint, and Ackerman looked like he was just, it was a little bit of a messy sprint or whatever, but Ackerman was set up well, and he was on his way to victory. And then out of nowhere, this freaking ballerini, like a ballerina, just like wove in between like three or four riders and just like blasted past him at the line. It was nuts. Yeah, it was crazy. Thanks for reminding me though. Yeah. Yeah. Cavendish, I, I don't know. He was, they're talking and talking about him. They're, you know, like they're working for him. They're, he's, he's riding the line and then they're like, oh, he's out of his clips. <laughs> and he's just like feet off the pedals. Well, something happened. I don't know what happened. I but... think he was trying to get in position against Ackerman, and I think there was some movement, but... But his leg popped out of his... his yeah, uh, both of his, his feet were off. And I'm yeah, just it was like, really weird. I don't know what you're doing, but he shouldn't be there anymore. And they were talking, you know, should he be on the Tour de France, you know, selection? No. Not even close. I was like, he's going to bring down the team. Unless you're just doing it for name recognition, you know, to outside sponsors or whatever, I guess. But then don't come in with any intention of winning anything or that you're going to have, you know, dead weight on the back of your train. It makes me enjoying Greipel look less bad. Because (laughs) no one looks worse than Cavendish on a bike right now. Yeah. He... It's like looking, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to talk too much shit about him, but it looks like somebody who shouldn't be riding a bike anymore. It's well, like I mean, he had done watch. unsafe things and had a lot of crashes in the last, you know, couple years. Couple years and, I mean, you know, fine. He, he sh- It's not like, you know, he's not at a high level of racing, but, sure. but it's the same. Stop talking about him. Like he's not in he's, that same percentage, that top 1%. No, he's not there anymore, and so he's lost it. Give it up, everybody. You know, I don't know why everyone has to, you know, suck Mark Cavendish's dick. Like, he has a had a great career, and it's sad to see a champion kind of like decline the way he has been. But you know, let him go. Yeah, he's I think it'd be better for him if you just didn't put that expectation on him or hope. Like, I just hope he gets a win, and it'll be good for it. Like, he's a champion. He's fine. Like, you don't have to coddle him. Like, he'll be all right. Yeah. He knows what he can do, and he can't win, so just let him ride his bike. Yeah, so Rimco hype train, we're on it, and uh, yeah, fully on the all aboard that train right now. Um, my other takeaway was I, I just didn't think Ackerman has looked that good right now. No, and yeah, the same thing how you're talking, you know, just that one percent. I feel like he's that one percent off because he's, you know, we've seen he's he can out sprint anybody on his day. Um, but we'll we'll see how he comes in because I think he's he's coming in hot for the tour. So yeah, everyone else, I was uh, you know I didn't see Barbier really do anything you know, so no. it was a little bit disappointing on some of these guys, especially with you know Grunewagen out. There was a little bit of more of a hole for people to fill in, and yeah, it was just kind of a a weird sprinting race. I don't know if that just kind of caught everyone's nerves, but yeah, we'll see. You know, we don't have we got the tour coming up, and so we'll see. There's really no other competitions for these guys going in. I think there's one. Retain Classic next week, but 
yeah, uh, really not much going on in sprinters. They're going to have to just train on their own for the time being. But it's time for the GC talk. Big money here. The Dude. Tour de Leon. Yeah. Tour de Leon uh, was only three stages, and it's... Was it only three? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it was only three. It's a Well, it's a small little 2.1 race or something that yeah. these guys don't even race usually. Like, I love the commentary today where they're like, Tour de Lane's got to be loving this. Like, you know, like their entire race is held up by, you know, all these GC winners. Like the most <laughs> yeah. talent they've ever had at their race. But nonetheless, it's three stages. They're all basically uphill finishes. They're just a small little stage race. And uh, it was just the Jumbo Visma show. Yeah. So it was, it was crazy. So Roglic and the team, they brought pretty much their entire Tour de France team except for Sepkus and Wout Van Aert. Mm-hmm. And it showed. Like, they looked stronger than everyone else. Yeah, really, really good. Uh, I didn't watch too much of stage one. Yeah, so that one was, uh, you know, it's just a small uphill finish. I think it was a five or six kilometer climb or something. I don't remember, but it was just Jumbo Visma kind of doing its thing. And Roglic attacks and pretty much looks like he's going to win the stage. And out of nowhere, Bagioli just like pips him at the line somehow. Quick step, man. They just know how to get I know. I was like, these guys at the line that are just like, who is this? And then they speed off. Yeah. Ballerini on stage of today's stage of the Tour of Poland. Same thing. Like, yeah, just quick step. That's just how they get all their wins, man. They just like, they just get all these little races. But yeah, he pipped him at the line by like a half a wheel. I mean, it was nothing. And so it was Mm kind of weird. But stage two, you know, that was ahead of Bernal. I think Bernal was third. Um, but, yeah, in this race, same thing that happened pretty much this entire race. Ineos's train, like, wasn't there. There was only yeah. one guy at the end or something. Now, to their credit, Chris Froome and, and Grant Thomas are also here, and they were doing a lot of work on previous climbs, like bringing in a brakes and stuff. And so um, we'll talk about that later in our takeaways. But it only left one or two guys left to help support Bernal, and they just weren't on the same caliber. They didn't bring the same team that Jumbo Visma brought, and it was really obvious when it came down to it. Yeah, I will say Castrovejo looking really good and yeah. strong as a, as a domestique. Oh, definitely. But uh, stage two, very similar, same thing. You had Kreiswick and George Bennett and Roglic just on the front. You know, and there's a couple guys in the, in the final of this race, but it was just the Jumbo Visma show. You know, Castro Viejo was there, but Bernal, again, like 4 or 5K from the finish, not a teammate in sight. Yeah, I, and that's doesn't look good for them, you know, going into the tour. Like you were saying, you know, they don't have their whole team here for the tour, but they do have a lot of guys. I mean, I mean to have Froome and Thomas and Castro Viejo, like, they're really strong. So it's, yeah. it should be, you know, they should be right up there. Yeah. Well, again, this is Froome and, and Thomas doing work earlier in the stage to reel in the break. And so, yeah. you know, they blew, they did their work and, you know, I'm sure it's interesting for Froome to like do a bunch of work and then just pedal it home, you know, soft pedal it back. So I think for him, you know, well, he's using it as training. Yeah. And I was but, like, in today's stage, Froome was doing a lot of work. I mean, he looked good yeah. and he was like, looked like he was about to drop <laughs> yeah, and yeah, comes yeah. back and does a little more work. Yeah, he like blew up for like three seconds and Castro Vio takes over and then Froome's like, no, just kidding, guys. And then puts in another like 30 seconds and he's like, all right, now I'm done. Yeah. And like, so it was kind of weird, but yeah, I mean, he put in a big dig and just kept the pace really high. He's doing what a domestique should do and 
I know people are like, Froome would never work for Bernal or whatever. And like, Froome's always showed to be a team player. And he showed it in this race. Of course, he doesn't care about Tour de Lane. Like, he cares about the Tour de France. But yeah. he's using this as his own prep. And he's like, all right, yeah, go ahead. You can try to win this race. I'm just going to use it as sub- supreme prep against some really good teams and riders. And I'm just going to domestique and put in my efforts and like just test myself. That and he's trying to make the selection for the tour team because yeah. you know they're probably on the cusp of like, hey, do we want to add drama, or are you good enough to yeah. to make to be worth make it worth it? Yeah, I mean, in Frum's defense, right? It's like I got to be good enough to make the team before I can win. So let me that's make true. the team, and I can worry about that later. And mm-hmm. I think that's smart. But yeah, same thing. Um, just this time it was four riders. Dumoulin four against one was crazy. <laughs> yeah, Dumoulin was there. Dumoulin looking great on the front shirt you know unzipped or whatever his jersey's unzipped and he's just pulling for like 5k yeah just pretending he's like honing his best karyanka he was looking yeah it was definitely karyanka move yeah time trialist with no with no jersey on just like whitest chest on earth just pulling the peloton (laughs) pulling the final selection up and uh no he looked really good and yeah same thing you know bernal by himself against four jumbo visma riders and I know you have a lot to say about this stage, and a lot of people said the same thing online of, what were Yumbo Visma doing? They should have tacticked differently. Yeah, I just I think it's weird when you see a guy in the back who's clearly looks like he's about to crack and kind of had lost a couple bike lengths at a, a few yeah. times, and no one on the team attacks. And at a bare minimum, you know, you, you throw off Korsvik, who was, I think, only 18 seconds back from the lead, or nobody's attacking, nobody's doing anything, and it seems like they don't, a couple things, like one, they don't know what to do in that position, they're not as used to that as Ineos, they, this is, this is all, you know, new territory for them of being, like, the dominant GC team, we got almost, you know, we got four guys up here. Yeah. Um, but then, like, even weirder to me is, I don't know if these are, like, mental games or what, but I, I've never <laughs> seen anybody do it. Lance Primos, used to do this. Primos goes back to, and, like, to Bernal and, like, drops back off and, you know, takes the, the tail position behind, I think, you know, Quintana's still there, Port's still there, uh, I forget who else, but he's just, like, goes right back with him, and he does that twice, and I'm just like, what are you doing and maybe, you know, it's a mental thing that they're prepping and maybe they aren't attacking so much because they're, my only other thought was trying not to show the exact level that they're at. So it's like, hey, like we got a whole nother gear, but we're not, you know, not going to show you that until the tour. Um, yeah. Because then they'll be like, okay, we need to really prep for certain things. But it was just odd, but it's, I mean, they... Either way, they look strong, and, and obviously he looks strong because he, he powers away again at the end. Yeah, I definitely will agree with that point. When Bernal started to lose ground a little bit, they should have attacked, right? When your closest rival is faltering, you got to put the hammer down and yeah. put the nail in the coffin and just hammer it home. Now, look, some people argue that Roglic was in the lead. This is the last stage. Like, he doesn't have to do anything. But as far as team morale, like, they could have gotten the podium for all three of their riders. They were that strong. Like, they were first, fourth, and fifth, right? They could have got first, second, and third. They could have blew Bernal out. Quintana was good, but Bennett and Kreiswick could have powered away, and, and they could have got swept the podium. 
Yeah, or like you had said before, a win for the domestique. Like, they're doing a lot of work, and they're going to do work for you in the bigger races. Yeah. You know, give them something. We've yep. seen it earlier in the year already. Like, they, they do that. It's it's obvious. So, you know, I think that that one with um, Mulberger and... Um, that one didn't work out quite didn't the work. same, but they tried. Yeah. But they tried. It, yeah. it, the, the thought was there, and that's usually how it goes in the smaller races, that they're like, okay, like, I'm going to help you out because... Like you're going to be, you know, working for me real hard the rest of the year. Is it the same thing as, like, when Pogachar like, let Roglic win the, the road championship so he could get more help from him in the Tour de France? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I definitely agree with that point. They should have let Bennett go out and see if he could win the stage and win the jersey and get a, a reward because he's going to be working his ass off in the Tour de France mm-hmm. for nothing, you know, because he can only hope that his team can win, you know? Like, yeah. He'll do everything he can to help that, but he's going to get nothing in return. He's not going to really get a chance to win in a stage. Like, no. He's just there to work hard. And so you're three weeks out from the tour, like let your guy try to win the race. And so that's that's the one disappointment. But if it wasn't for that first Bagioli steal of stage one, Bernal, or, uh, Roglic would have won all three stages. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he just demolished. That's the takeaway here. Roglic, you know, I'm being a little bit skeptical, but like, you know, I, I made a comment earlier of, Maybe Roglic is coming in too hot because it's still three weeks from the tour and then three weeks of hard racing. And so, yeah, who knows? I mean, Roglic seems like he could be like that Valverde type rider where he can just maintain a peak for longer than, you know, three week window or something. He just looks like he's strong all the time, except in the Giro, he got sick, but he always looks really good. And so my only fear is, I'm not saying it's founded in any logic or anything like that, but... It's just something to think about. Like, if he does blow apart in the last week, like, well, he maybe he just peaked wrong. Yeah. I mean, he could be peaking wrong. I, I would think that they would know because he's, he's not new to GCs at this point now. Yeah. You know, it's not going to be his first one or, you know, whatever. It was a year or two back when he was kind of new to it. But, yeah. And, you know, kind of the takeaways. Obviously, the team looks fantastic. He yeah. looks fantastic. And, you know, Ineos just doesn't as much. So, we'll see what they have to work on to, to try to get on that level. Yeah, well, this kind of reminds me. I'm not sure if you've heard of The Last Dance, but it's a documentary about the Bulls. <laughs> and so I started watching it finally, and I, I know you had watched it before me, but it's really good. But it kind of reminds me of these, like, dynasties and the, the turnover from one dynasty to the next. Mm-hmm. It kind of has that same vibe, where, like, you know, the Bulls had to get past the Pistons, and they finally did it, and then they just took off, right? And it wasn't even close. Like, they... You know, they ended up sweeping them in the last, when they won their first championship. So, like, it wasn't close. And it almost feels the same way. We're like, right now, Ineos looks completely out of focus. And none of their, they're just not there right now. And so it kind of has that similar vibe because Yumbo Visma looks the exact opposite. They look in form. They look focused. I think for Ineos, they've been doing this for almost a decade now. And so it's like, it's hard to stay committed to the Tour de France. It's so draining physically and mentally to be that focused all the time and so it could just be they're just wearing out and unfortunately for Bernal he's in a position to really win the race but the rest of his team just looks kind of over it in a sense but we'll see they have three weeks to go Ineos is obviously a controlled team and they have they do have some work on but they're not like that bad but they just don't look on the same level as Jumbo Visma. I was gonna say so are you saying that you know when Jumbo Visma wins Ineos is just not going to show up in the last stage of the Champs. They're just gonna yeah. They're just gonna walk off, not shake hands, pull 
Yeah. One Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, they definitely will. They, I, I kind of expect that, I guess. No, uh, no, I don't know. I just they just don't look on the same level. Jumbo Visma right now just looks on a whole other planet. I mean, they're winning obviously, like with Wild. They're winning all over the place too. So it's yeah, Jumbo Visma is on an upward trajectory, for, and they were already up last year, you know. And so yeah, they're just continuing to do what they've done and. You know, I'm, I'm on the Jumbo Visma train. I mean, I already picked Roglic to win the Tour de France. So uh, the one thing I will say is Dumoulin looked really good today. And if, for some reason, Roglic isn't peaking properly and he does fade, I think the opposite is true for Dumoulin. I think he's building himself up to really peak in that second to third week. So it'll be interesting. We'll see how it goes. It just it just makes the hype for the Tour de France even greater. Yeah. So well, speaking of that, we have a preview for next week, we have the Criterium of the Dauphiné starts on the 12th, so I don't know, what is that, Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever. So that one is, you know, th five stages, I think. So it's all mountaintop finishes, and, you know, the main riders that are going to be there, this is the last race before the Tour de France, so all the big teams are going to be there with all their big riders, so we have, I mean, I don't want to, no particular order, I put Bardet on here for some reason. <laughs> Bardet, you have Lopez. Uh, Landa, Bookman, Iran, Pino, Enrique Moss, Enios is there, Yambo Bismo will be there, Port, Aru is not there, Pojacar is going to be there, and Katana. Yeah, so it, it's really, like I said, the last race before the tour, so we're really going to see, we haven't seen all of these caliber of riders all at the same race. Yeah, and I mean, traditionally that's kind of been the one where you see kind of like who's like just on the cusp of of winning you know not necessarily they have to be the winner but like on the cusp where they're like you were kind of getting back to like peaking properly yeah um a lot of riders do win this and go on and win the tour as well so this is our like big one of what's left for for the gc who's going to be you know the who's who in mm -hmm. in the tour so it'll be interesting yeah no i'm, I'm pretty excited to watch this um Going for Bookman and Pino. That's, that's what I want to see do well. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how Pino looks. Um, we haven't really had a chance to see him too much. Pogachar, we haven't really had a chance to see too much. So, um, yeah, it'll be really interesting. You know, Bookman obviously looked really good last year at the Tour. So, yeah, this is going to be, you know, the, the race this week to watch. Yeah, Quintana, I think, will be a big one, too, because he's been building well. So this will be... Is he going to have that little bit extra that he had at the beginning of the season? He's going to be back to that where, mm -hmm. where he's going to be doing really well in the tour. Because when we were see, seeing him earlier on in the season, it looked like he was on you know years past form, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, so hopefully he's he's there again. Well, I'll tell you who's looking like crap. <laughs> Miguel Angel Lopez. Yeah, he is. Looks awful right now. And again, I don't know where he is at all. <laughs> I've already said I don't like him, and I don't think he's worthy of winning the tour. So. I don't expect much from him, but he's one to kind of see where he's at. Bardet, I feel bad for the tour. Like, it was supposed to be his tour, but Bardet's kind of retaken that role, and they've kind of done a dual leadership thing. So mm -hmm. we'll see how they... I don't I don't remember seeing the tour on the list, but right now the start lists are a little bit weird. I don't think they're really solidified, so I could be missing some of these guys. Landa. Landa's Landa, man. He's unknown all the time. Yeah, I was he like... He looks really good or really bad. It doesn't depend on what he's done or his form or anything. I feel like wild card. Yeah, complete wild card. So, I don't know. Enrique Mas will be interesting. I don't have high hopes for him either, but, you know, these are sort of the, the second-tier riders. Like, obviously, we're going to have a continuation of this week's race with Ineos and Yumbo. That's going to be the main storyline. But I'm really interested to see how 
these other writers do and yeah. see how they're building up. Yeah, no, it'll be cool. Yeah. And was this our last one here as we have a... Uh, what, a fall classic? Yeah, <laughs> we have a fall classic at the end of summer. <laughs> yeah, Il Lombardia, the, uh, the falling of the leaves and when they're still on the trees. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're still going to be... You know, I, I like what they did, right? They took all the three Italian classics and just put them in the same time frame. It, it makes, makes sense. sense yeah. Like, you're already there. You don't have to worry about possibility of any quarantines or anything. Like So they just did all three Italian races in a row. So I do like that. But it just makes it weird when you have a, a race called the Tour of the Falling Leaves with all <laughs> yeah. the leaves still on the tree. But yeah, this one, it's a, it's a monument. And it is 243 kilometers in length. But it has a little bit more climbing than the Land San Remo. And at the end, there's a, a small climb. And it's like the maximum gradient is 10% right before the peak. And then it's four kilometers left. And it's mostly a downhill finish. Pretty wild descent. I remember, obviously, Nibbly going wild on that and through the trees. And, and always really cool because it's like the shadows and usually the leaves and you're going through. But it's, it's real twisty. So... I think it is one that um, that leads to someone who knows the descent really well. Sure. If you're there, that's going to help uh, quite a bit. Yeah. What's weird about this one is the start list is very not fleshed out, so I couldn't. I don't know who all is going to be there. It also listed Pojakar, so it's like I'm getting mixed signals on who's at what race. So I I don't know, but we already know who's going to win. So there's really no point in talking about it. <laughs> yeah. I saw Remco Evenepoel is going to be there, so. Let's just go ahead and write it off at this point. Dude, I'm not, I'm not going there. Is that going to be your pick? No, I don't know. I, honestly, it doesn't seem like a race for him, but, I mean, it's... He can of win. the... So win. here's who we have here, since, like you said, we're not sure who's actually going to be there at this point. We have Evenepoel, uh, Betty All, Wellens, Fulsang, uh, was that Nelson Oliveira, yeah. uh, Book Malama, Vanderpool, and Pojakar. Yeah, I don't know if Pojakar's there. But yeah, I think out of this one, who I'd like to see win is Fulsang. I was gonna. That's who I thought was going to win. Uh, I think I'm gonna. I'm gonna betty all potential here because I'm gonna throw out the Italian. I had already said somebody who knows the descent. I'm gonna say that since it's Italy, he yeah. knows the descent. Yeah, but, that's uh, fair. But yeah, I'll, I'll just go with him as my pick then. We'll change yeah. it up. I'm gonna go with Fuglesang. Yeah, I mean it's a pretty straightforward race. We'll see how it is in in the not fall. But yeah, I think it's gonna be a little different. With we'll see if there's shadows. You know, I don't know where the sun is in relation to how it is, you know, during the race. And so might not have the same cool feel to the descent. But I think you're right. Someone who's done the race is probably more favored because of these yeah, descents. Or at are least so someone critical. who's you know, they don't have to be from Italy, but who's familiar with the descent. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if Evanapol wins, is any of us really gonna be surprised? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Uh cool. Well that's that's about wraps this episode up. Uh next week, kind of a... Looking forward to that one. We have the recap of Embardia and Criterium de Dauphiné, but not a whole lot of races going on that the following week, and so we're going to do a week one Tour de France preview show. It's going to be pretty sweet. Yeah, I'm going to have to study some maps. We're going to have to start getting my Excel file together for our uh, competition to see who's going to win the the poster, but yeah, it's going to start with next week's uh, week one prep. So Yeah, we're going to have to post up some pictures of the like poster be like, all right, these these are the prizes right here. It's true. Not that anyone's going to win them, just me, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. I'm trying to go for the sweep this year. I only had two, so how many did you get? <sighs> Dude, there were some odd things that happened, you know, whatever. So you're saying zero? I, zero, obviously, okay. yeah, yes. Yeah. All right, well, we'll uh, 
If I didn't win, it was rigged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had uh, uh, Ryder picking EPO. That's what I had. Yeah. I just I cheated. Yeah. I don't know how you cheat picking, you know, but... You just get those right selections in the right order and... I mean, some of it's luck, right? But some of it's, like... The reason I won the Giro was I picked Carapaz on a random day and he won the stage. So, like, there's just, like, some random... Like, the breakaway stages and stuff is where it's at, but... Those are hard. What's really hard is the Giro sprint stages. I mean, Sagan, 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 you know. Well, he's, he's got to win something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a Throw real me quick a question. Bone, man. Is Sagan going to win anything this year besides, like, the green jersey? All right, we'll let it go. All right, see you next week, man. See ya.